Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Aesthetics of Leadership podcast. I am your host, Edwin Adams, and I'm lucky once again to have one of my friends on the show with me, Chuck Taylor. Welcome, my friend. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Edwin. I appreciate it. Well, Chuck, we've known each other for a little while, and it was fun to go back and see just how we connected. But there, there is a story of yours that I just was not aware of that I think is so foundational and, and explanatory of how you've become who you are and what you are today. So, Chuck, I've got a lot of questions for you before you even start your story. But I think it's best that you, you introduce yourself to the listening audience and Tell them how you went from troublemaker to entrepreneur. There's a great story there. <laughs> um, well, first off, I would like to say that it has been uh, a long road, a long journey. Um, probably more, but I can say at least 15 years of, you know, hardcore learning, buckling down and, um, you know, just wanting to get better. Um, but in a nutshell, um, I was young and I think at a place that a lot of people may be at one point in life, a um, little bit uneducated, wanted to kind of do things on my own. I, ha I have two really good parents and they, they've guided me very well. So I was blessed with that when I was, I was young. Um, matter of fact, uh, most of my life, my uh, middle school, high school life, I was a uh, very heavy churchgoer. Um, and it's just when I decided to get out of high school, uh, had graduated high school that I decided I wanted to get into some trouble. Um, so I was on a very, very bad path. Uh, it all started with a little bit of drinking, eventually, you know, led into drugs. Um, I was partying, uh, had no uh, priorities or, um, you know, sense of responsibility. Uh, and it ended up, you know, after so many years of doing that, um, probably at least three to four years, you know, just kind of wasting my life that my problem started compounding and, um, just life started getting tough. I had a poor self image of myself. Um, I was making poor decisions. So, you know, those decisions have consequences and they, you know, begin to pile up on you and uh, just uh, came to a point where I've had enough uh, in my suffering that I decided that, you know, something had to change. Um, so I made those changes. Uh, today, I am a real estate entrepreneur, um, come from the restaurant, the server, bartender industry background. Um, you know, and me and my brother now, we've been running a business for six years. Uh, we do real estate investing, we do some remodels, and we do some wholesaling or signing contracts to builders. Uh, and I have made strides uh, in my life, you know. Um, do I consider myself successful? Yes, I feel like I have a lot more to learn and a lot longer to go. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, the, the decision came from when I had enough suffering, uh, decided to make changes there, not do what I was doing anymore. And luckily I had a, I guess you could call him somebody who was a mentor because he introduced me to a movie called The Secret when I was selling cars in 2008. 
Uh, and you may know my buddy Lazarus Ross, he was selling cars with me then. And we watched that movie and that kind of was the inflection point for me where I knew I could start, you know, creating what I want in life. Um, so with the combination of law, law of attraction, education, some hard work, that's what I've been doing over 15 years. And now I feel like I'm at a point where these, these 15 years of better choices are starting to pay off and, you know, accumulate. So that's it. Um, you know, we're 2020. We've done, we slowed down on the remodels this year, but we've done two remodels and we are on the verge of our 30th uh, wholesale deal um, for the year. So incredible. So you, you found your brother in a, in a partnership. Did he have the interest to create this or was it you? How did that? Yeah. Start? So kind of in between all of that, um, you know, it didn't just go from, Hey, I was here and then I'm, you know, successful. There was a number of failed businesses. Uh, you know, I tried multi-level marketing company. My brother and I in Dallas, we tried to uh, start a, an event production company. Um, didn't go very far. Then finally, we thought we could do um, better than our, our bosses and our peers in the bar restaurant in industry. And we opened up a bar in Austin on 6th Street. Um, that was our first like big project, brick and mortar. You know, it took a lot of money to get it up running. Didn't didn't go as we planned. Um, you know, it was a success in some sense, but in no way did it create financial freedom for us like we thought. Um, so we happened to stumble on this um, during a closure for the bar. Uh, we reached an agreement with the city regarding a deal we had for South by Southwest. They let us have the party and then we had to shut down and get everything up to code. Uh, it was a closure that was supposed to be two to three weeks. It ended up being seven months. Wow. And it, and it was at a time when we didn't have any money, like none at all. We invested all of our cash. The bar was closed. We weren't getting paid anything. Um, again, another point of suffering. And I was like, something's, got to change is that do you think that change is sustainable change is possible without going to the bottom where those those amazing stories of transformation seem to originate yeah um i think that you know I, i've seen in a we don't know everybody's story right we think we we do we see the tip of the iceberg i think at the end of the day um but i i have it's i feel like it's um you know, there's a handful of people out there that just have naturally kind of gotten life and understand that, you know, they got to make good choices. If they want good results. Uh, not to say they don't have their struggles, but for some of us, um, whether it's lack of education or maybe it's the environment or um, our family's background, things like that, I think that we're may or may not be equipped as well as we need to be. So we might have a little bit more to overcome. Um, for me, it was a lot of results of me making bad choices because I thought I had it figured out. I wanted to learn my own way. Um, but, you know, something to note that I wanted to say when you were speaking earlier was that, you know, for that time at the bar when we had a closure, let me just kind of put it in some context. Me and my brother had 
we let go of the lease that we had. It was a, an apartment pretty close to downtown. We had the bar where we knew the shutdown, the bar was going to be shut down. And luckily our lease was up then. So we thought we were going to be, is like a month arrangement, but we went to stay with a buddy of mine in a duplex that was about 600 square feet. Yeah. So we were in a, uh, a 600 square foot duplex. It was, it was two dogs and three gentlemen. Um, again, we thought this was going to be for a few weeks. And I, I was kind of at that point you're talking about there. Um, you know, I didn't have money to get a haircut. I was just doing what I knew best, maintaining a gym membership, working out, reading books, trying to grow. Um, and mind you, this was about six years ago. So I was about 10 years into trying to make better choices, trying to learn, trying to, for me, owning my own business or something of that regard was an accomplishment because I, I didn't have a college education. So, you know, I wanted to do something um, and I felt like I, I would be good at business. So it's kind of always the thing I pursued. So after 10 years of, of trying things out and working on myself and trying to get better and trying to grow, here I am in this situation. Um, you know, luckily for me, my besides some drinking, I was an owner of a bar. Uh, my head was, you know, clean. I wasn't into anything else. Um, and I was more focused on fitness. So the drinker was maybe a weekend deal. Um, and I just, I kept driving forward. So you kind of, when you ask the question that kind of brought these thoughts to mind, I just want to, anybody out there listening kind of understand that it was 10 years of pushing and pushing and pushing and I was still here, but it was that point right there where I could have maybe given up and I just kept doing, being relentless at, you know, trying to grow trying to read, trying to learn more, trying to become more articulate, trying to that we had this closure, which seemed like a bad thing at the time. But that point of suffering, Edwin, was a pivoting point for us because had that not have happened, I don't know if my brother and I would have sought out another source of income. And we kind of stumbled upon this zero money down real estate thing and we're able to execute on it get some money in our pocket really quickly and then we just kind of merged everything that we had worked on over the years with customer service and branding and all that stuff and and made a company out of it incredible okay so let's unpack that for for just a little longer i really appreciated what you said about suffering um in the context of falling all the way to the bottom and only having two ways to look that's that's one level of suffering but there is a whole nother level of suffering out there. And I see it every day when I walk outside that, that there are people who haven't fallen to the bottom, but there is a great degree of suffering happening in their life. And it's either around, you know, relationships, their uh, personal relationships, relationships with money, relationships mm -hmm. with substances, with pornography, with the social media, you name it. There's plenty of suffering to go around. So I think if we put them all on the scale, I, I find it hard to rate one more energizing than another because yeah. to me, suffering is suffering and it can serve as an impetus for change. 
you recognize the fact that you no longer wanted to feel this way. And I think that is where I see hesitation out in the world that, well, I, I don't want to suffer anymore, but I'm afraid to take the next step because I really want it to be the right one. So there's a hope and there's an emotion attached to that first step that makes it feel mm -hmm. there's gravitas to it. There's, there's something there that if, if I screw this up, then man, I'm just going to keep suffering. Can you, can you speak yeah. to that a little bit maybe? Yeah, there's that fear. And then I think it's also, you know, uh, a lot to do with our culture nowadays. Um, we don't want to be seen failing, um, you know, but it is, I do think failure is a huge part of, you know, being successful. Uh, it doesn't mean you necessarily completely fell out of business, but you're going to have some failures. You're going to have some hiccups. Yeah. You don't try things. to fail. Just yeah. anticipate that it might be a partner on this journey. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's definitely uh, a factor. Fear comes into play. Um, you know, I'll give you the example again, rewinding back from the transition from when we had the bar to when we were doing real estate. Um, I had one of my friends, he was, you know, a partner when we first started, he was getting his real estate license and he was adamant that what we were doing was illegal. Hmm. But, you know, I knew absolutely it was not as a signing a contract, you know, as long as you're disclosing to the buyer that you're signing this contract and you do all those steps, right. You get your earnest money into title. You go through a title company that, you know, it's 100% legal so he is adding this extra like fear aspect into it and then we had no llc so i signed my personal name to the first two contracts which were a total of two hundred seventy thousand dollars. i didn't have a penny in my name and i definitely did not have the credit at the time to secure financing now we had an option period so we had a you know, a legal right to terminate the, the contract. So I did it good in that regard. We didn't want to leave the seller hanging or anything like that. But still, for me, it was a very scary notion to sign my name to that contract, um, considering that we just took a crash course, you know, week, week and a half, YouTube, <laughs> university. Yeah. Uh, that's how we learned it, you know. Um, but you just have to take the leap sometimes. Um, you know, for me, it was a moment where I was completely broke. Like we were taking turns buying each other's groceries <laughs> yeah. and, uh, it went from that to like, bang, I got a five figure check in my two five figure checks in my hand because we did two deals side by side. Um, you know, so it was like kind of opened my eyes there. And, um, but in between there was a lot of failures. There was, again, there was the multi-level marketing company. That was a smaller investment, but a lot of fear there. Um, I took that dive, learned a little bit from it. Same thing with the um, uh, event planning company. We put a lot of money into that. We hosted a, an event that was supposed to be a promotional event and kind of didn't go anywhere. You know, so there was some times that weren't successful, but you know, if you get it right, awesome. You, you got it right. But if you don't um, and you do happen to fail, you're going to get some learning lessons from it. I definitely think it's um, just something we got to overcome and just go for it. 
Well, yeah, I, th I think all of my greatest mentors that I could name for you have, have helped me understand failure as our greatest teacher. Uh, w without failure, there is no knowledge or understanding. So you, you, you must experience it. And I don't know how our culture has become averse to that. Uh, would you have any insights maybe? Is, is it an ego thing, a cultural thing, a, a generational thing? Do you, yeah. do you have any, any perspective on that? Culture, um, I can at least speak for males. It's an ego thing for sure. Um, again, we don't want to see felon. We don't want to see, seem like we're struggling. And, you know, if you, if you're doing anything great, there's bound to be some tough times or some struggle at, at some point. Um, so I do think it's a little bit of a culture thing. Again, the ego thing um, with the males, but as far as the culture, uh, I think, yes, we do kind of want everything easy. And the truth is, you know, there is no easy. Um, and we can look at that as a bad way, a bad thing or a good thing. Um, but in short, um, you know, and I'm not saying this to knock anyone that's working a nine to five, but if I chose not to be an entrepreneur and take the risks that I took, um, you know, I wouldn't be able to do things like I, I can now, you know, I would have, I feel like you kind of choose your suffering in a way. So mm -hmm. for me as a, a business owner, one of my, my sufferings is dealing with taxes or CPA. I just got done doing some of that stuff. <laughs> but on the other hand, I have, you know, me and my wife, we can take, eight day, 10 day vacations, two week vacations. Um, and then also I can, you know, work a few hours one day and work 12 hours the next day, or maybe I want to go golfing during the week. I can do that. If I had a nine to five, I couldn't do that. You know, very structured, have to ask for the days off, you know? So on one level, you know, there's going to be some suffering, but you got to decide, you know, what do you want? Do you want easy, structured minimal suffering you know what you have to deal with or do you are you want something if you want something great in life you know make the dot and maybe it is a, a job maybe it's a promotion that you want to get or maybe you want to become the ceo of the company but um just have to <laughs> take the dive you know yeah wow i really uh appreciate something you said there you uh clear clarity on what you want. I think that maybe is where a lot of people fail in the very beginning before they even make a choice. They're not clear at all. It's, it's quite a vague hope or a desire, but there's no clarity on specifically what it is they desire so that then they can yeah. strategize closing the gap. Would, would that be a fair statement? Yes, I completely agree. Um, and that may be a reason for me personally that my journey took as long as it did, <laughs> you know, I knew I wanted something better. I knew I wanted life to be better, but I wasn't clear on what I wanted. Yeah. Um, and, and, and just to add on to that, I think the frustration created by that constant slap in the face makes people regress into the comfort zone. And, you know, my mantra is disrupt comfort. That's the growth is on the other side of, of, of that terror barrier that lies in between 
comfort and growth. Growth is, is right over there, but man, yeah. it's hard to keep bumping your head against that concrete wall. <laughs> it is, but you also get some tough skin and, uh, you know, I think it pays off in the end. Yeah. So I think after, after clarity, you, you've mentioned ego a few times. And one of my favorite Ryan holiday books is the ego is the enemy. And man, was that a wake up call for me? I, I did not recognize how my ego was paralyzing my progression and momentum. It was yeah. a, a prideful thing. It was a control thing. It was a lot of things but until I became self-aware enough to go point and say, that's the ego, that, that is my ego, the blind spot got removed. And I found a lot of momentum build once I kept ego in check. I can't get rid of it. I think that's a little unreasonable, yeah. but, but at least I, I can become aware of it and know what it sounds like when it shows up yeah. uh, in my head. Tell me about your battle against your ego. Um, well, you know, I definitely for a long time had a problem with being worried about what other people think. Uh, I think that's a struggle that maybe a lot of us deal with. Um, so that was one, you know, my ego really wanting to protect itself. Uh, I think the male ego, you know, has a lot that says a lot that, we, you know, we've got to be macho. We can't be emotional, maybe not even kind, you know, kind of be Hey, what's up, dude? You know, uh, and so that was definitely kind of built into my programming there. Um, so I, I kind of had to go back and deconstruct some of that. For me, being a younger, when I was younger, mainly when those four bad years I was, I was mentioning earlier, uh, you know, I was a hothead. Um, not only was I getting into trouble, like I mentioned, but I was I was getting into fights. So I think that was the ego thing. Um, you know, luckily that never landing me in a position where I'm, I'm having, you know, I'm in trouble or anything like that, but I do have an injury I'm dealing with from that. That's ego. <laughs> yeah. um, and then again, the, the business thing, there's probably right now what I'm noticing in my ego um, kind of reverse back to our conversation is a little bit of, um, you know, comfort zone. Me and my brother have been in the business for six years we're doing, we're doing good. Our business is in a, a growth trajectory, but I've kind of been feeling the nudge to like, it's time to take it to the next level. Hmm. And I feel like the reason I haven't made that dive yet is because, you know, one, I am a little comfortable here. We've got this real estate business that's doing well and, you know, we're making best money I've ever made in my life, both my brother and I. And then the other part of me is like, you know, I do know that some people view me as being successful and I'm like, if I go and do this or if I push a little bit harder, is it going to take away from what I'm doing now? And then I end up failing at both, you know, so that there's even that fear after all the times I've tried to do other things, but I know I'm going to do it. I'm going to pull the trigger on it. And it's exactly what you're talking about. It's getting disrupting the comfort, breaking past that point. And once I do, I'll, I'll break through my, you know, next plateau, hit the, our, our next goals, you know, because we just, I think my brother's the same way. I'm the same way personally and in business. Um, you know, we're, I'm just trying to grow every year, you know, and that's, 
maybe making more money, but that also means being more efficient and maybe, maybe, maybe working a little bit less that year too. So if I could make a little bit more money and I'm working 20% less then uh, that's some growth for me, you know? Yeah. Incredible. Look, Chuck, I had the privilege of going to Tony Robbins business mastery course uh, several weeks ago up in Chicago, oh, wow. to move it to a virtual event. So I was up there with friends and we were watching it in their, in their theater room. And what an incredible awakening that it showed me on, on how to think about the life cycle of a business. So I don't mean to take us away from personal growth and development, but I think it's yeah. the point is relevant here that Tony's uh, uh, assumption is that when you enter into business, you should already have your exit strategy for that business. So that business is going to go through, through this growth phase from infant to toddler to teenager to adult to mature adult, and then it's going to start sliding. And the exit strategy is knowing when the performance is at its best, that's when you get out. So then you go create the next business life cycle of some other entity. And I just never thought about business like that. It's almost like when I became a college professor, well, I guess I'm just going to retire from here. And I, I don't want to let it go because it's all I know. And my, my identity is somewhat tied to this position as a faculty member. And then, yeah. Then you leave there and go do something else and you go, well, that wasn't that big a deal anyway. My identity is <laughs> the job and yeah. my identity isn't the business. I'm a creator. I'm, I'm here to, to put stuff out into the world and see, see how it lands. So yeah. I, I guess that resonates with me listening to you talk about your business and some of the attachment you feel to it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you, have you ever thought about the life cycle of your business and an exit strategy and what would you do next? You know, um, I haven't thought about the life cycle of the business. I mean, we have in uh, a micro sense because we have to be mindful of what's going on in the real estate market. Um, but on a large scale, um, no, we have, we've made some changes. We've tried some things within this real estate business, uh, you know, we tried to expand to Dallas. We tried to, you know, do a bunch of remodels and do a mix of wholesaling. And I think we've kind of found that, you know, we consolidated to the Austin market. We've got a really good niche. We do new construction lot deals um, with a lot of the builders in town. And there's just nobody that quite does what we do in this, in the Austin market. So with that being said, you know, I think we have a little bit, little bit of time, but I have not thought about uh, necessarily the life cycle of the business. Um, but I have thought about, hey, you know, law, it's it's a job. What I have, you know, now I, I work for myself. It is a business. But if me and my brother go away, then the gravy train stops. <laughs> well, well so, yeah, yeah. That's um, I, I think, of course, we have to consider the context of what I just said. That's coming from Tony Robbins, who's opened yeah. and, and life cycled 72 businesses. Smart, smart man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, incredibly smart. So that, that's a whole nother, another level of existence that I can't imagine. Yeah. You, my friend, are at a level of existence I can't imagine. So I'm still trying to understand the, the true entrepreneurs out there who are, who are working day in and day out to transition from operator 
taking care of everything every day, like you said, to, to maintain the gravy train to owner where, where you're orchestrating everything instead of taking care of everything. And that's a, that's a big move. Yeah. So that's the the thing. And I haven't thought about it, you know, as life cycle of my business, maybe I should, like I said, I agree with you. Tony Robbins is a, a smart guy. Um, but I think the next transition for us would be to just kind of pivot within real estate and think bigger think commercial scale you know, something that it's great for growing any, any which way you want to grow, you know, just, just start thinking bigger. You want to grow in a physical sense. You start, you know, lifting heavier weights, you know, <laughs> Yeah. Eat more calories. Exactly. And I think Tony speaks to that. One of his principles of of success in business is optimization and maximization. So unless you've considered that in your business cycle, you haven't built a good business cycle. So he's a big fan of scaling and maximizing and optimizing. And that was, that was wisdom. Wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. That's a smart guy. And for us, you know, it's taken us this whole time, I think for, probably four or five years and I'm just speaking just in the real estate business specifically uh, we did a lot of banging our head against the wall you know we first year second year we made a lot of money but we burned a lot of money on marketing then we tried to expand to Dallas spread ourselves thin figured out that it was a bad idea then we tried to focus on one sector of real estate not really (laughs) working and now it's like we know what we're good at. We kind of applied the 80, 20 rule to some of the metrics that we're, that we're monitoring and uh, buckled down. And with, you know, a few years, we come up with some templates and some forms that make things a little bit more smooth. And, and now, yeah, we're working probably 50% less than we were last year. Uh, Amazing. So Amazing. it's kind of a, a breakthrough year for us. That's efficiency right there, Chuck. And, and that's, <laughs> That, that, that is a momentum builder all in itself when you get a little freedom back from, from the operational standpoint. Wow. Yeah. So, so clearly you've had several transition, transitions or shifts in your thinking that have allowed you to build some business momentum. But you've, you've also along the way become addicted to something else you mentioned when we were talking earlier, and that was, that was fitness. So from a, from a body standpoint and a mental standpoint you are killing the game dude and that's i I said dude i can't believe i did that on a podcast but i did so dude (laughs) you're killing it um so tell me tell me how you've parlayed those into uh, forces of strength for you to to continue to do what you do day in and day out that's that's incredible what you've done um so I have to agree with you, Edwin, before we got on the call, you kind of mentioned that you believe, you know, there's, there, everything's kind of connected, you know, there's three parts to it, the, the physical, the mental, the spiritual game. And I'm actually kind of been working on a model that I would like to start sharing either via social media or YouTube, but it's called, I haven't got the name pinned down yet. So I'm just calling it right now, the four pillars of wealth. And basically, it's three of those are what you mentioned. Uh, and, and the fourth is, uh, I got it written down as communal right now, which means, you know, like the social aspect of life. Uh, I think we're all connected there. I think it's it's about giving back. Um, so, you know, with the fitness, I started at an early age, you know, I played some football in high school. I did some powerlifting. Um, again, when I had my years where I was, had no responsibility I literally had no responsibility so I wasn't taking care of myself then 
Um, but once I, I, I knew I needed something different, that was one of the first things I went back to was physical fitness. And I think it has, you know, there's a, a principle in fitness that I think really applies to life. Um, so one, it's, it's a nice retreat for me to kind of unplug, um, get away, you know, put my headphones in, kind of zone out, work out. But, you know, the more you push yourself or the more you suffer in fitness, you know, you got to think you have seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And if you're going six days a week, an hour a day, that's a lot. You're going six hours. So you're just talking about, you know, a small portion of your week. And if you push yourself and you make yourself suffer, you, the more you do that, the better the results you get, hmm. you know, regardless of what your goal is. If you're looking to burn fat, if you're looking to put on muscle, if you're looking to, you know, just have a good physique or maybe you just want to shape up, you know, the, the harder you push yourself, the more results you're going to get. Um, and same with fitness. I don't think you have to be in there 20 hours a week to get great results. You know, you can invest an hour a day. Um, and so I kind of apply that into all the other aspects of my life. Um, not saying that I'm perfect by any means. I got a lot of growing to do, but since I've been on a routine like this, uh, like I am now, which kind of incorporates these four aspects that I'm talking about, um, my life has been the best that it's been. Uh, you know, I feel wealthy. I feel, you know, rich and, and all I'm doing is every day I'm spending a little bit of time working on each one of those points. So one of my mentors talks about progressive overload from using a fitness metaphor. I mean, you don't go into the gym and lift the same, same weight every day. You, you challenge yourself with adding a little bit more. And, and his, his uh, premise is that if you just, consistently get 1% better than you were the day before in whatever area that you're looking to transform. Imagine what could happen in 90 days. You could yeah. be almost a hundred percent different than you were three months yeah. before that, that, that is incredible to think about that. It's not as hard as we make it. So Chuck, why is it so, so hard for people then to tran transform in any area of their life. Is, is it a dysfunction in one of these variables that we've talked about? Is it, is it fear? Is it ego? Is it spirituality? Is it um, choice? Is it clarity? You know, we've talked about a lot of stuff, but I kind of want to pack this up into a success formula. And, and maybe you have in these four pillars because you've been simply getting incrementally better in all four domains over a consistent amount of time and persevering when you didn't want to do it in the first place. Is that yeah. the success formula? Um, you know, for me it is, but I think, you know, one thing, part of your question, I, I think we do know, need to know what we want. Um, and, you know, if we keep growing and we keep, you know, doing some of these things, we do get more clarity as to what in the neck will kind of shape as you go along. I feel like as you do some of these things, it's a discovery process. So you're growing, but you also discover who you are. You discover, you know, who you want to be, these things like that. Um, and then you can kind of build from that 
as to what you what you really want and then go for that as far as your fitness question you know that's a tough one i think there is uh maybe some ignorance there uh you know there's a lot of fitness gimmicks out there um, and at the end of the day if, if you want real results um, it's both a mixture of being disciplined going to the gym exercising but also watching your nutrition so i think a lot of people miss the nutrition side um you know great example would be hey i had a salad here you know but if you are your physical fitness goals are to look better you watch your body composition you got to watch macronutrients one of the heaviest macronutrients that has the most calories is fat it's nine calories per gram of fat rather than carbs and protein it's four grams of fat so you can go get a salad somewhere and that thing have 50 grams of fat because of the dressing or the eggs, you know, and people feel like they're eating healthy or light. Um, so I do feel there's um, some ignorance. I do feel there is some uh, maybe lack of discipline or laziness as well, uh, just because it's, it's tough. And I struggle with it for a long time. You know, it's tough to get in the gym every day one thing I've done to help me get over that is I try to go early, early in the day and get it out of my way. Cause if I'm, if I'm tired, I had a long day or the day gets ahead of me and then I'm going to end up kicking that out of my schedule. <laughs> so, um, it's, you gotta be disciplined, you gotta be focused. Um, but just like anything, this consistency, that's the biggest thing. It's just, you gotta balance out both, you know, the exercise and the, the diet, the nutrition. Well, I, I hear a word kind of hiding in between what you just said, and that's sacrifice. You're willing to sacrifice probably a lot of things in order for you to achieve that which you have clarity of, of focus in right now. And you're unwilling then to, to, to give up that dream and that vision, right? And, and I think too many people... Oh man, if I can't eat like that, I, I'd just rather be fat or, you know, there, there sacrifice is a big deal. It seems, is that a fair yeah. statement? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even I got married, I've been with my wife now for four years. So even for me, there was a couple of years that, you know, still eating okay, but my nutrition and diet was not anywhere that it should have been and transitioning out of that after, you know, the honeymoon phase, a couple of years, I was like, okay, I need to get back to being more consistent and, and strict, you know, it was, it was a little tough pulling away from that because we are creatures of habit and, you know, it's like having the, the pizza or, you know, going and having steaks all the time and just not eating whatever I want and not watching my food. It was great. Um, but, I think it's another thing is just not necessarily, Oh, if I got to eat like that again, it's a little bit of awareness that there's some really good foods. We can make some pretty good meals that are nutritionally balanced, a lot of flavor to it. And now, you know, if you can't cook, there's plenty of options as far as people that box it up, cook it for you already. So, um, and, and for me, it's like once I made that transition and I'm used to it, it's, you know, I kind of don't feel right doing anything else. Like we, we ordered a, a pizza last week and I enjoyed it, but I had too much of it. And then I did not feel great after that, you know? So 
Um, I think you get used to the, the eating right. And there's, you know, balance with that too. You can, I give myself, you know, a day a week where I'll let myself eat whatever I want just so I don't get bored. Just so, you know, I can have some fats or I can maybe go out with my wife and eat or, you know, go out with some friends. Um, but it's consistency. Um, like you said, and, and definitely sacrifice, but any, any, any time you want to grow, I had my mom, a conversation with my mom about this. She had a transition in her job. Um, you know, and I was kind of like, you know, you kind of have to, I feel like you, I should pick growth as a default and that way I'm always inducing change and it's kind of like expected rather than life throwing change at me. And mm. that's, you know, conversation I had with my mom, she made a change. She was somewhere for a while and that clinic got shut down during all the COVID stuff. They kicked her out 30 minute drive. And she was like, you know, wow, <laughs> curveball for her. Luckily she's had a ton of experience. She was able to quickly secure a job back by, you know, where they live. Um, but I feel like that's a, another good thing about growth and sacrifice is that, kind of what I was saying earlier, you kind of got to pick your suffering. Do you want to grow? And, you know, you kind of choose how you're going to grow and what you're going to put yourself through to get through things. Or if you choose a comfort zone and you choose to set in that comfort zone, your, your cheese is going to get moved at some point. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's either your choice or someone else's. Which one do you want to control? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. Such good insights, Chuck. Look, let, let's finish this conversation talking about environment. I think along this way, you've had to, you and I have both in, in our trajectory of growth have had to correct some things up here because belief is what drives behavior. Behavior drives actions and outcomes. Absolutely. But there's another component there. There's environment. How have you put yourself in environments conducive to growth? And is that a subset of you just being self-aware that this, this type of environment isn't serving me, therefore mm -hmm. I have to let it go, uh, be it yeah. friends, family, whatever. I need to move and sit over here because uh, yeah. I grow better here. Tell me about that journey. Yes. Okay. So the, Jim Rohn quote is one of my favorites. He says, show me your five closest friends and I'll show you your future. Um, so I was very uh, aware of it, maybe hyper aware. Uh, once I, I kind of read that quote and that started a lot with my transition from, you know, not doing drugs to being away from that, being sober. That was the first thing I had to do is I had to shift away from those people uh, you know, there's an ego struggle there. They're like, oh, you're not, you're too good or you're cool or this and that. And then there was another level and then a point where I had to like even let go of some family members um, that, you know, just were continually making bad decisions, continually refusing to grow. Um, and then it kind of came to a balancing point, but still to this day, I'm human and I'm very mindful of who I'm around um, and who I spend my time with. Uh, so there's friends that I may spend a little bit less time with and good example was a guy I met this weekend in Mexico uh, or not this weekend, but this past trip that me and my wife went, he's from Dallas and guy has great mindset. 
you know, very successful guy. He's accomplished some things I haven't. Went and hung out with him, rode mountain bikes with him. Has a lot different thinking than most of my friends that I'm around. Even now, after I've kind of, you know, chose to hang around a different crowd, and I feel like I have a much better crowd around me. But when we want to grow and do the things that we're talking about, um, it's important not necessarily that this whole conversation is about leaving others, you know, Mm -hmm. doing away with others, but to also seek out new company. Uh, Just like reading gives us new perspective, being around other people that may be better at something that we do. Maybe they make more money. Maybe they're a better family man. Maybe they're more physically in shape. Maybe they allocate their time better. They have more freedom. Um, you know, obviously you're getting along with these people, but I think it's very important who we, we have in our environment, including spouses. Uh, you know, if you're single um, and you do want to grow and you want to take your life somewhere, like what Edwin was talking about earlier, knowing what you want and making sure you have a partner that you can be with and continue to build on that. Um, so that's important. Laz is one of the, uh, he's one of my best friends. It's, it's a, I feel like a rare situation, but me and him have remained friends for almost 20 years, but because he does, he pushes for growth. He goes through similar struggles. He's constantly, you know, wanting to just grow and be better whether it's being a father to his two children or it's being a better fitness coach or or whatever it may be. Um, So those are some kind of key indicators. I feel like, Um, you know, if somebody's continuing to make bad decisions, they don't want to change. They don't want to grow. They're not teachable. Um, Maybe you disconnect from them. Uh, Likewise, if you have a friend that's growing with you, hold on to them tight <laughs> and then also seek out, you know, new company. Um, there's always somebody out there that's a little sharper than us. So we got, we can always learn from each other. Yeah. Chuck, I so respect what you say, man. And I think it speaks to a level of awareness uh, that, that allows you to have that kind of information and awareness come, come to your consciousness so that you're able to see, what serves you and what doesn't and how it aligns with your clarity. And, and Chuck, I I just have to say from, from the time we met six years ago, you were, you were in a physical transformation mode and stepping in pedal to the metal in the real estate business. And it has been fun watching you grow. And, and I just have to tell you from, from a mentorship perspective, I know we are not direct mentors, but what you put out there and how you show up in the world matters because I see you and what you're doing and it does nothing but help me be better. So man, thank you for what you do and how you show up. It's important. No, thank you, Ed- Edwin. I appreciate um, the encouragement. I really do. And I appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, it's people like you that I want to make sure I have in my circle of influence. If it is, if it is near or far, um, I'm, I'm connected enough to know what Chuck is doing because I'm curious and I know it's going to be freaking amazing what you continue to create. 
and I think what the greatest lesson you've taught me, Chuck, is that the answers are, are rarely found before you start your journey. There's no way we know until yeah. we step forward and go. So you, you've, you've got to learn, you've got to risk, you've got to strategize, you've got to have faith stepping forward that you don't need to know the right answer, but that you'll find it on the journey. Um, the old mantra says, seek the truth. It never says find it. Yeah. We, we've got to keep looking. And I just appreciate the way you show up in the world in those domains of body, mind, and spirit, because you're, you were relentless in your pursuit. And I think that is a skill set we can all learn from. I hope people are paying attention on this podcast. <laughs> Thanks. It's an honor. I appreciate it. All right. And well, Chuck, yeah. if, if people want to follow you and your continued journey, how can they do that? Um, really? I am just, mainly on Facebook and Instagram. Both of my, I guess, handles or names uh, would be the same. Chuck buys real estate. So facebook.com backslash Chuck buys real estate or on Instagram at Chuck buys real estate. A uh, little bit more heavier on the Facebook, but I uh, always put out stuff on my Instagram stories. So. Oh, fantastic. And the name of you and your brother's company, if people are in the Austin area. It's uh, the Tayton brothers. So, well, there it is. Right on your shirt. Yeah. Nice shirt, by the way. Yeah. I like that. I like that. And I love <laughs> your dog. Uh, they've been watching the whole time in the background, just checking it out. <laughs> that's early. That's my, that's my buddy. Uh, well, man, thanks for your time today. I really appreciate your, your influence, the, um, the way you show up in the world and what you're doing. Um, this is, this is going to be fun to watch what, what you decide to do next. Thanks, everyone. I appreciate your time. Appreciate right. everybody watching. Well, yeah, for those of you watching, you know what I'm going to say. If you appreciated anything that we had to say today, please go write a review on whatever platform you're listening to the show on, because if, if something Chuck said resonated with you, let him know in the commentary. That's the only way we get feedback is from your reviews. And it also helps us in our ratings to reach more people with the message that we're trying to put out there. So we appreciate reviews. So whatever you do and just stop right now and go write the review, just, just press pause and go do it. We would most appreciate it until next time. I'm Edwin Adams. Chuck next time, brother, peace out. Look forward to see you back on the show again when you've got a black jet helicopter and you can come pick me up for coffee. Is that All fair? Right. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Let's do it. All right. See you later, everybody.